Well, good morning and welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today, church? It is so good to be here with you today. If you're watching online, uh, we welcome you. If you're watching at Banta, Franklin, or in here at the Greenwood campus, we welcome all of you. Struggling with a little bit of cold weather and, and some snowy weather, so uh, thanks for coming out today uh, to all of our physical campuses, and thanks for joining us online if you couldn't get out uh, and you just wanted to be a little bit more safe and wise. So uh, welcome to everyone here today. We're in a series right now called Make It Stick, and it's the third week of our series. Uh, this is the beginning of the year. We always start a start out a series with, with a fun, uh, start out the year with a fun series about making changes in your life. And uh, this year is no different. Uh, there's something exciting about the beginning of a year, right? It, we get hopeful about making changes. We get, we get this feeling like we got this blank slate, this, uh, this, this fresh start, this blank canvas. And a lot of us tend to set New Year's resolutions around this time of the year. You know, things we want to change in our life, uh, like lose the weight or, or save the money or get on a budget or finally learn that new skill or take that class or maybe start a business uh, or maybe spend more time with our family. We set those New Year's resolutions because we feel uh, the time of the year is, is right to do that. We get, we get all excited. The only problem is about six weeks into the new year, 80% of New Year's resolutions end up falling by the wayside and we go back to our habits and our patterns and our old ways of doing things. And really all I wanted to do in this series is talk about how can we create life change. How can we, what can we do so that the New Year's resolutions we set, we actually follow through on and we make the changes or we, quote, make it stick. And so in this series, we've talked about a couple of principles or ideas on how to do that so far, which is to have a compelling vision, like paint a clear target on the wall. This is what I want to do this year. And it has to be compelling in order to drive you to overcome the obstacles that, are, that you're going to face uh, throughout the year to do that. And that was week one, right? Without a vision, we perish. When we don't know what God wants us to do, we stumble all over ourselves, right? So have a clear vision. Hopefully you did that. Week number two was last week we talked about being consistent. If we're going to see that vision come into reality, we have to take consistent action. And the way that we do that is through habits or creating a new habit. So I gave you a little plan last week. If you were here, uh, something called an implementation, attention, uh, implementation intention. What am I going to do? Where am I going to do it? What time am I going to do it? Leveraging the two most important cues, time and space. How many of you actually put a little implementation plan together for yourself last week? Let's see your hands. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hope that you, more of you will go leverage that. It was a powerful idea. I did it myself this week and I'm seeing some good results. So be consistent, have a vision. What do I want to talk to you about today? I want to talk to you about the principle of identity. If you and I are going to make it stick, you need the right identity. Identity is such a big idea. Many years ago, I heard personal development guru, uh, positive uh, motivational speaker Zig Ziglar say this. He said, you cannot consistently perform or behave in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. Let that sink in for a second. What does that mean? You and I cannot consistently behave or act in a manner that is inconsistent with our self-perception. What that means is that we can set all kinds of goals in the beginning of the year, like, oh, this is the year I'm gonna you know, write a book and this is the year I'm gonna finally you know, get healthy or whatever it is. But if you do not see yourself as a healthy person, those behaviors, those actions that you plan on taking will fade away in just about six weeks. And that's what we see. 
80% of New Year's resolutions fail. Why? It's because we actually have an identity issue. Many of you know for years now I've set a goal uh, to write a book. It's been about 10 years, maybe longer. And I still don't have a book. And, and, and when I evaluate that scenario, you can make excuses. Oh, I'm busy. I've got three kids. I'm a pastor of a church. And this blah, 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 blah. Right? Everybody's got excuses. But the real reason I don't have a book is because way back in high school and college, whenever I would hand in a paper, three-page paper, five-page paper, 10-page paper, 15-page paper in college, whatever, I would always get it back and it would be like a I don't know, a C plus or a B minus on that deal. And it would always be filled with lots of red ink. <laughs> Anybody ever get these papers back in high school? <laughs> it's like, and the message was so clear to me. My teachers, would, it was just like, you're not that good at writing. <laughs> Vocabulary and spelling and sentence structure and blah and on and on and on. And, and I, the message, just, I just, I felt it. It's like subconsciously I received this message that, yeah, you probably could give a talk or a speech or whatever, but writing, not your thing. You are not a writer. Identity. Do you feel it? And so non-writers don't write. They might write for five weeks. I've done that. Anybody else? Yeah, anybody, have, anybody else written maybe 10,000 words? I have. But a book's about 55,000 words. See how that works? You and I cannot consistently behave in a way or in a manner that is inconsistent with how we view ourselves. There's a great story in the Bible about a guy named Saul. He was the son of a guy named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. And Israel had 12 tribes and the tribe of Benjamin was one of those 12. And one day, Kish's, some of Kish's donkeys got away. And so Kish said to his son, Saul, go find my donkeys. So he grabs one of his buddies and they go out looking for the donkeys. Uh, you can read the whole story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So they're out looking for these donkeys. They can't find them. The servant, the buddy says to Saul, let's, uh, let's go ask the man of God, the prophet, the seer, they called him back in those days, so, who happened to be Samuel at that time. Maybe he knows where the donkeys are. And so they set out to go talk to the, to the prophet, to the man of God. And little did they know the night before, God had come to Samuel and said, hey, tomorrow a guy named Saul is gonna come to you. He's gonna be looking for some donkeys. Tell him the donkeys are fine. And then I also want you to tell him that he's gonna be the next king of Israel. That's some pretty big news. I mean, this is a guy out looking for donkeys, okay? This, he, he's not ready for this news. Hey, bud, guess what you're going to be, okay? You're going to be the next king. Anyway, next day, they meet up. Sure enough, Samuel says, hey, your donkeys are going to be fine. And then Samuel says this to Saul, I'm also here to tell you that you and your family are going to be the focus of all of Israel's hopes. This is a guy out looking for a few donkeys, okay? If you, you just picture this, like he's probably thinking this prophet is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like he's out there, right? He has no idea what he's talking about. And, and so he says so much in the next verse. Listen to how Saul responds. I'm sorry, uh, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. Like there's 12 of them. Benjamin is the smallest tribe. That's my tribe. On top of that, Mr. Man of God, Mr. Seer, prophet, uh, my family is the least important 
Of all the families of the smallest tribe, uh, question, why are you talking like this to me? I am the hope of no one's life. My family is the hope of no one's nation. Listen, you got the wrong guy. Are you picking up his self-perception? Yes or no? Are you picking up his identity? Like, I'm insignificant. Smallest tribe, smallest family, got the wrong guy. Of course, you know, God doesn't pick the wrong people. And he is this guy, and the next day they try to anoint Saul to be king, and in the process of anointing king to, uh, Saul to be king, some of you know the story, where did Saul go? He went, he went and hid. He hid himself in the luggage because he didn't want to come out and be anointed king. Because he, he couldn't step into a role, it disagreed with his self-perception. I'm, no, I'm not king material, are you with me, yes or no? And so his life goes on and he actually does become king, but he never, he never quite becomes king material because of his own identity struggles. He disobeys God, he doesn't follow God's laws, he does things his own way, and God has to, God has to step in and replace him with a guy named who? King David, a man after God's own heart. In the book, Atomic Habits, James Clear says this. It's such a powerful, powerful concept. The biggest challenge to positive change or making it stick or creating lasting change in your life is identity conflict. See, good, good behavior and good habits, they make rational sense to us. Yeah, I should do that. I should do this. But if they conflict with our identity, we fail to put them into action. If I don't view myself as an author, if I'm a non-writer, there'll be no book. Because there's a conflict in identity. If I don't view myself as a healthy person, there'll be no healthy habits. Am I, you follow me? If I don't view myself as a, as a good husband, there'll be no good behavior towards my wife or even my children. And the same is true of you. See, here's what's true about you and here's what's true about me. Your behavior is the reflection or is a reflection of your self-perception. And when it comes to any type of change in our life, whether it's the changes we're talking about making in the beginning of the year or changes to become in our spiritual life to become like Christ, it's always an identity issue. New behaviors require a new identity or the right identity. The Apostle Paul knew this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to hear what he said about making changes. Therefore, be imitators, okay? The word is memotes or memetes. It's the Greek word. We get our English word from the Greek word mimic. Okay, from, from this word, be an imitator, mimic God as what? As dearly beloved children. He goes straight to our identity. Now that you put your faith in Christ, you are a child of God. And here's how children act. They act like their parents. That's what good children do. Their parents teach them and they act like their parents. Verse two, he says, and walk in love. How does God act? He loves us as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus said this one time, he said, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. We are to mimic God's behavior and love our neighbor as ourself and love God. That's, what, that's, that's the behavior aspect. Why? How do we do that? Well, we're children. We look at our, our identity. And then Paul, in verse three, he, he shifts to some, uh, some behavioral issues that the people were having, even as Christ followers. Verse three, he says, but sexual immorality, any sexual activity outside of marriage and their God's covenant of marriage and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. 
Like no one should be able to say, oh, those Christians, they're acting, you know, selfish and greedy and impure and they're doing whatever they want to do with their sexuality. It shouldn't even be named among you. Why? Why, Paul? Why, should, why shouldn't anyone be able to level an accusation against a, a Christian? Because it is not proper among, say it with me, saints. Saints. Well, what am I talking about? No. Who is a saint? <laughs> I'm not a saint in, in practical living. But Paul says I'm a saint. Why am I a saint? Well, here's, here's the truth about you and me as a believer in Christ, if, you're, if you are a believer in Christ. When you place your faith in Christ, the blood of Christ cleansed you from all sin and washed you. And that's what baptism is all about. It's a picture of the washing. It doesn't actually do it. It's a symbol of the washing going underneath the water, coming up, being cleansed of your sin. Practically, you're not a saint, but positionally in God's eyes, you are a holy one. Therefore, as a saint, don't be involved in sexual morality and impurity and covetousness. In fact, in verse eight, he says it this way, for you were once darkness, that was your identity, but now you are light in the Lord. Anytime the Bible talks about light, it's talking about righteousness and holiness and truth. Therefore, because that's your new identity, you are children of God, you are saints, you are light. Watch this, walk as children of light. Live as children of light. Act out of your new identity, that's who you are. See, all behavioral change starts and begins and is rooted in identity change. Be careful about the story you tell yourself. Because most of the time it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I talk to people all the time and they say things like this, uh, you know, well, I'm not good with people. I'm, an in, I'm one of the introverts. So I'm not good, I can't do, I'm not good with people. Okay. As long as you tell yourself that, as long as that you've received that as your identity, not good with people, you will never be what? Good with people. How about those who like, they say this, oh, I'm not good with technology. I, I can't do the Facebook. I don't know. I don't the Twitter, I don't know how to do the Twitter thing. I don't, I don't know how to load things or download things. What's an app? You know, I'm not good with that. Okay. If that's what you have received, then you will never be good with technology because that's your identity, right? Because all identity is a reflection of our, all behaviors are a reflection of our, of our identity. I hear people talk about this, talk about it this way. Oh, I'm not good with books. So I always try to help people say, man, you got to read this book. You got to read the Bible. You got to read this passage. Here's what they say. Oh, I'm not good with books. I'm not a reader. I'm not a reader. Okay, great. Okay. Be careful because you will never be able to digest the transforming information in a book because you're not a book guy. You're not a book girl, right? Be careful with that. Oh, I'm not good with names. Oh, I just am terrible with names. I, I just can't get it. Okay, be careful because you will never be good with names because you have received that as your identity, right? Your behavior is a reflection of your own self-perception. So how do, we, how do we align ourselves? How do we create lasting change with this tr information? Like how do we create a new identity that will allow us to behave the right way and, and make it stick? That's a great question. Two ways. First way is this. Number one, you have to discover and believe what God has said about you. You have to discover and believe what God has said about you. Over the years, I've been uh, dedicated to solidifying my identity, 
according to what God's word says. And let me share a few of the ideas that I've discovered. You can discover more. There's a lot more than this, but I just want to give you a snapshot of where I'm at uh, when it comes to what God says about me and what I've discovered and believe is true about me. If you're a Christ follower today, this is also true about you. First passage I want to look at is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good works that he planned for you to do long ago. Another version says you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the things that he planned for you a long time ago. You know what this says about me? You know what this says about you? You are a masterpiece. You're, you're like a, a precious vase or, or a priceless painting that God has created. And, and, and he wants to display it. And he's got work for you to do in your life. Powerful, powerful idea. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are, wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. You know, oftentimes I give God praise for different things in my life. I've got a beautiful wife and she's got incredible character and she's an incredible mom and I've got great kids and I'm so blessed to be able to lead this church and I praise God for a lot of things in my life. You know, I see things out there in our community, in our world and I give him praise, but we often don't give God praise for us. And the psalmist says, here's the deal. I praise you for me. I praise you because you, you took the time to fearfully and wonderfully create my mind and my body and, 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 and my, my, my person. And God, it is wonderful. Wonderful are your works and I'm one of them. When's the last time you gave God praise for, for you? Not in an arrogant, prideful way, but almost in a, in a, in a, a, a thankful, you know, heart filled with gratitude kind of way. A masterpiece, fearfully and wonderfully made. What about Genesis chapter one, verse 27? This is just what I've discovered. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Wow, time out, time out. I am made, you are made in the image of God. What does that mean, image of God? It means a likeness, something that resembles the creator. If you have children, your children resemble you. They're not replicas of you, but if you look at your kids, you can say, oh, he resembles you, she resembles you. You resemble God in what way? <laughs> well, God has a mind, he's got a will, he's got emotions. You have a mind and a will and emotions. You are made in the image of God and the likeness of God. Wow, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a masterpiece. What about Romans chapter eight, verse 37? No, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now I understand what it means to be a conqueror. You defeat a, a different you know, uh, army or you, overcome, you beat a team or, or you overcome a problem and, and you're a conqueror. I, that, and it feels awesome, that word, a con I wanna be a conqueror. I wanna conquer my problems in life. The Bible, Paul says you are more than a conqueror. Listen folks, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds exciting to me. I, I mean, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Loved us. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity. Oh, no, no, no. He's given me and he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Just a few thoughts. Let me put them all together for you. Because here's, here's, let me put them all together for you in a statement. Here's what's true about you if you're a believer in Christ today. 
you are a self-disciplined masterpiece, fearfully and wonderfully made in the likeness of God, with power within to overcome and conquer any obstacle life throws at you. Is that not exciting to anybody else? I mean, think about that. A self-disciplined masterpiece, fearfully and wonderfully made in the likeness of God, with the power within to overcome any obstacle and conquer any obstacle life throws at you. Let me ask you a question today. If you embrace that as your fundamental identity, and by the way, there's so much more, but if you just embrace those five verses, the five truths in those verses, what would a person like that, how would a person like that behave? How would they go through their days? Think about that. You think they'd have confidence? You think they'd be courageous, yes or no? You think a person like that would would lean into their problems and say, let's go get it, let's overcome? You think a person like that would be filled with courage and faith and belief, yes or no? Talk to me, guys. Or would that person be filled with like timidity, like, oh, I'm not so sure, I'm worried. I don't think we can do it. You know, I'm really insignificant. Who am I to lead the nation? Who am I to write a book? Who am I to get in shape? Who am I, right? No, no, that's how, the, the type of person I just described to you be like, let's go get it like Rocky Balboa style. Like, I don't care if it's the Russian. I don't care if it's Apollo Creed. I don't care if it's Mr. T. I don't care if it's Tommy, whoever, right? Let's go kick some you know what. That, listen, that's your identity. That's the person who writes the book. That's the person who does the deal. That's the person who makes it stick. Because you're more than a conqueror. You're a self-disciplined masterpiece, fearfully and wonderfully made in the likeness of God with the power within to overcome and conquer any obstacle life throws at you. Wow. Now that ought to be enough for some of you, but it's not. Because some of you have heard those words and you're like, I wish I could believe that. But there have been so many years and maybe even decades where I've heard and listened to other messages about me. I'm worthless. Nobody loves me. I'm a procrastinator. I can't do it. I'm not worthy. And on and on and years of those messages sinking in and fear And feelings of worthlessness have settled in and you have embraced that as your identity. And so hearing the words I'm talking about today, you're like, oh yeah, that's nice, but not me. Well, you have some other work to do, okay? Because I understand it, I understand it. That's difficult to just hear, you know, positive ideas and go, oh man, my problems are all fixed. I'm a new person. (laughs) It doesn't work that way sometimes, most times. So what do you do if you're struggling with discovering and believing what God says about you to be true. Well, here's what you have to do. You have to start acting like it. You have to start acting like it. See, here's the crazy thing about identity, and James Clear talks about it in the book so well, much better than I can. Identities create certain behaviors, but it's also true that you can create a new identity with behavior. Let me, say, let me say that again in a different way. Our, our behaviors flow from our identity. However, on the other side, you can generate a brand new identity with new behaviors. You can act 
act your way into a new identity. And here's how it works. You do something over and over and over until this mountain of evidence builds to where you have no choice but to believe that's who you are. You write and 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 you write until one day you look at all these pages you've written and you go, I must be an author. And you eat well and you exercise and you eat well and you exercise and you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it and And this mountain builds and builds and builds until one day you go, I must be a healthy person. Because why? You've convinced yourself with what? With this mountain of evidence that's just undeniable. This is what happened with me many years ago. I was a youth pastor and as youth pastors, you eat a lot of pizza, burgers, fries, you hang out, you don't exercise, you do all-nighters and it's not a very healthy lifestyle. And so one day my wife says to me uh, when I was a youth pastor, honey, um, you know, you're starting to gain a little bit. And that just tripped me out. And I was like, okay, I'm done. So I was like, I got to get healthy. I got to lose some weight. So I started to run. And I ran, I ran one lap around my neighborhood there. And, and I was like, <sighs> it was horrible. It was horrible. I hated it, but I did it again. And the next day, and I did it again. And then the next day I did two laps and pretty soon I was doing three laps and I was doing it each day and I was starting to get into it and I started to look forward to the runs. And, and, and then one day I met a friend, his name was Brian. He came to church here. He said, hey, you should consider signing up for a mini marathon. And I was like, dude, you are on drugs, man. That's 13, that's, that's 13 miles. Humans are not designed to run 13 miles. I don't, I mean, it's just, I'm not doing it, but he talked me into it. And so I signed up. And man, I went down there at mini marathon. It was 35,000 people there. People were just like, just, just so fired up and there's bands going and there's people, you know, encourage you. There are people calling out your name on your bid. Go Danny. I'm like, yeah, say it again. You know, and I just got hooked. I got hooked, ran my first half marathon, got hooked. Came home, I had no gear, I had nothing. So I started to, you know, I went out and bought the $125 shoes, got those, you know, still, still buying those today. You know, uh, got the water bottle with the nice handle so you can run with it in your hand, got that. Uh, bought, bought the, bought the, the tight, there's a name for these shorts, I won't say it in church, but you got those nice running shorts. Um, and, and, then, and then, you know, I wanted to start running at night, so I got the reflector, you know, just started geeking out. You know, I started, I, started, I, I got a subscription to Runner's World, man, I couldn't wait for this thing to get, like every month, I would take, I'd read every article and, you know, buy the stuff that was in there and the gels and all that stuff. And, and, and you know, cold weather, you need running gloves. These are special running gloves that you have. And, and then I got the thing for your phone and it goes on your arm like this, you know, so I can listen to my tunes when I'm running. And then, and then this is very important. This is not deodorant. This is very, if you've ever run a half marathon without this, you know how important this is, okay? Uh, this is the body glide. And if you've ever seen somebody at the end of a half marathon and they're just, they're running and they're finishing, they've got these two red lines down their shirt. You know what those are? Someone's like, red lines? Their nipples are bleeding <laughs> through their shirt because they did not have body glide. This is very important stuff right here, okay? So got that, rub it all over myself, parts you don't wanna know about. And then, and, then, and then this, this is my favorite. This is my favorite for night running. I mean, you pop this sucker on, you can see at night, you got your reflect. I was geeking out over this stuff. And I've got more stuff I didn't even bring in. And, and here's what happened. One day, one day a friend of mine said, Danny, why are you running so much, man? crazy running all the time my response was so quick and so it's like dude I'm a runner 
Like, what do you think? I was like offended by his question. Here's, here's what happened, guys. I acted my way into a new identity. And then when that identity was solidified because this mountain of evidence, I've got medals. I've got medals in my house. I wanted to bring like five of them to show you. Look at my medals. Well, then the behavior just came. I don't have to try to go for a run. I don't have to try. Even today, I got a bad knee. I, I don't know how to even run anymore, but I, I, I don't have to try. It's like, just go run because I'm a runner. That's what I do. <laughs> Powerful stuff. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm chapter one, verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. I'm telling you, if you do something, if you do anything day and night, just a little bit, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, there's this mountain of evidence that starts to accumulate that says, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a Bible reader. And then once you become a Bible reader, like I have, even before I was a pastor, because a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, every single day, every single day, it's like, well, I'm just, I know the Bible, I read the Bible, I'm a Bible person, I read the Bible, I meditate on it, memorize it. It's part of who I am. Pastor or no pastor. Because I acted my way into becoming a Bible person. Works with any other discipline in your life. You say, man, my identity is shot, it's terrible, it's, I've got this feelings of worthlessness, I don't believe in myself, okay. Act your way into a new identity. That's what I'm doing with vegetables. My commitment is to just have one serving of vegetables every single day. And the evidence is gonna to build to one day, so I'm a, I, I'm a vegetable eater. <laughs> That's who I am, you have to understand. Every single day. Every time you pick up that ball to shoot or dribble, you, you, that, 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 that identity, I'm a ball player. Every time you pick up, you write those pages, you, you, the, I, I am an author. Every time you apologize to your spouse, this is a huge one, huge one for me. Every time you humble yourself to your spouse and say, it's my fault, I'm sorry, you take on the identity of a humble servant leader in your home. Every time you apologize, wow. It doesn't matter what it is. Every time you do it, you start to build that mountain of evidence. What have I said today? If you're gonna make it stick, you need the right identity. You create the new, you create the new identity with, with embracing what God has said about you, and if that's not enough, if that doesn't cut it for you, you act your way into it. James Clear said it this way in his book, it works both ways. Your habits shape your identity, your behaviors can shape your identity, you can act your way into a new identity, it's another way to say it, and your identity shapes your habits. It works both ways, it's a two-way street. So my question today, to you today is this, what is your self-perception? What is your self-perception? If you want to make it stick, how do you view yourself? You have to have an identity that is congruent with the behaviors that you need to make it stick. That is the fundamental issue to making lasting change in your life. So what I want to do today as we wrap up, I, I want to say a blessing over, over you today. And, and I've only done this one other time. It was on Mother's Day a couple years ago. And a blessing is simply when someone wills the good that God has for somebody else in their life. And they just kind of speak it over you. And 
it's not, I don't want to get too weird about it, but it's, it's, it's just a special moment. And the way, that, the way that you receive a blessing is just, a, you could close your eyes, you could bow your head, and, and really all you're doing is saying, God, um, whatever this person says over me at this point, I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to open my soul and I'm going to open my mind and I'm going to open my faith to believe the things that are being said by this person over me from you today. And the reason I can be confident about this is because everything I'm about to say over you is straight from God's word. And it's a blessing for you today. And my hope is that you'll take it and it, it'll, it'll go deep into the core in your, of your soul and, and, and define who you are. So if you're watching online at one of our campuses today, I'm gonna invite you to just close your eyes and just receive this blessing right now from the Lord as I speak it over you. You are a self-disciplined, self-controlled masterpiece. You are the handiwork of God. You have been fearfully, carefully, and wonderfully made by our creator. He crafted you in his very image, in his very likeness. You resemble your creator. And he has placed within you the very power, his power to face into and overcome and conquer any challenge, any difficulty, any problem, any struggle that life is throwing at you. Father, I pray that every single person who heard those words would capture them and that they would define who they are. May the enemy not steal those seeds of truth out of our hearts today. Help us to embrace them. Help us to be defined at our core by them so that we can do all of the things and accomplish all of the things that you have prepared for us long ago. We pray this in Christ's name. Hey, as we wrap up today, I know for a fact that there's folks watching online, there's folks at all of our campuses that you would have loved to participate in that blessing, but right now you're agnostic, or maybe even atheist. You'd say, I'm not even in a relationship with Christ. I, don't, I, I feel, sort of feel out of place, but I strangely feel drawn to this place. Here's the message that you need to hear. God would love to step into a relationship with you. He'd love to, to be with you. We, we sang about it just a few moments ago. He'd love to live every single day of your life with you. See, here's the truth. God, through Jesus Christ, made it possible for you to be in a relationship with you. Jesus said one time, and I already quoted it, there's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you. He stretched out his arms. He was nailed to a cross. He was crucified in your place. He died for you to take the penalty of sin, the penalty you and I should have paid. And when you trust Christ, when you reach out to him in faith, you can be forgiven of your sin. All that can be washed away. 
and you can become God's child today. You're not joining a church or joining a religion, you're just stepping into a relationship with God. If you would like to do that right now and, and live life with God, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. This prayer is for you, it's a prayer of faith. Take these words, make them your own today and trust Christ as your savior. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I believe that you love me and you proved it by dying on the cross, by paying the penalty for my sin, by removing the barrier between me and your father. I trust you today. I embrace grace and love and forgiveness. Cleanse me and make me your child by faith today. And from this day forward, solidify my new identity as your child, as a saint, as a child of light. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, our church would love to celebrate with you right now, won't we church? Amen, come on, nice and loud. We would love to give you a new Believer's Bible if you said that prayer across any of our campuses. There's tables in the back. Also, if you said it online, you prayed that prayer, there's a place there you can check that says, I trusted Christ. You can put your address there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. Church, would you stand to your feet real quick? We're gonna close out with a little worship. We're actually gonna sing about a song about who God says we are. We are his children. And then we'll wrap up after that. Will you worship with us?
forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am Declare that today I am chosen, not forsaken Yes! I am who you say I am You are! You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am 